360 degrees. High high, 360 degrees. High high, 306, 306, 360 degrees. High high. And welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. I'm your host tonight, Kenny C., and tonight we honor the mamas, not just our own, but all the mamas that have led the way for us to live life as we know it today, including our Earth Mama. This show is for them, of them, with them, and because of them. Tonight, we'll hear some original commentaries honoring mothers from our very own women of First Voice. We'll listen to some great music. And let's not forget, we're in the beginning of our annual spring fun drive. And that means we'll be honoring KPFA as our radio mother as well. And asking for your support to keep her stronger than ever. All that tonight on Full Circle. Stay tuned. Good evening, folks, and welcome again to our special edition of Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley. I'm your host, Casey, and tonight I am honored to be able to dedicate this show to the mothers of First Voice and to all the mothers who have made it possible for my beautiful sisters of First Voice to be here today to share our stories. And I have a surprise for you. With me live in studio, I am especially excited to be able to introduce you all to my very own mama, Miss Nancy Joe. Mama, welcome to the studios of KPFA. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm happy you're here. Thanks. And let's not forget to give a big shout out to KPFA, our media mother, the very first community funded public radio station. The station that has birthed the First Voice Apprenticeship Program and all of her graduates and apprentices, myself included. Your continuing support enables us to share our stories and to keep our histories and her stories alive. So hats off to 70 years of listener-sponsored radio, and here's to 70 more. You can donate safely and securely at any time at kpfa.org. Or feel free to call in at 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Don't have a gift for Mama's Day yet? How about a membership for Mom for only $25 a month? The number to call, again, is 1-800-HEY-KPFA. So before we get started, I do want to acknowledge that when we talk about Mother's Day, it's important to keep in mind that not everyone's experience is reflective of the hallmark you-know-what that's pushed upon us every year. Many of us have troubled, strained, or complicated relationships with our mothers, if we have any at all. In this vein, it's well to remember the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, saint of right human relations. He says, quote, Make me an instrument of peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. And tonight I ask, what is a mother? One who helps us to grow, 
one who helps us to learn and to come into our own and to show us the ways of the world, to give tools that we may use them and pursue our own paths. These women can be found everywhere and they do not have to be blood related. A mother can take on various forms. And it's true that we don't all have just one mother. Personally, I think of myself as being raised by a pack of she-wolves, the leader being this woman sitting right here next to me. And certainly, that's what it takes. It's no easy task to raise a strong woman in this day and age. As difficult as I was when I was growing up, I always say no one else could have done it. Isn't that right, Mama? That's right. It <laughs> takes a village. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm ready to hear some of the great stories the women of First Voice have put together for tonight. How about you? I'm ready. All right. First up, we have Sharon Peterson of Dry Longso Rising sharing a bit about where she comes from. Let's have a listen. I'm Sharon Peterson. Hi. And be right back after a short music break. Music is Moana Chimes, performed by Makana. I'm Sharon Peterson, and now a shout out to my mom. Mom was deeply into radio as a student at Antioch College in Ohio. The school boasted a radio club with a small broadcast station. Mom was a fine classically trained musician, but for her, radio is all about theater. She would have loved the possibilities of podcasting. Yet, I suspect she would still have relied on old school sound effects made by objects taken from a big box or a small closet. Heck, if I had the storage, I'd do the same. When Mom was in her mid-40s, she returned to radio for a time as a DJ at a startup Hawaiian music station in Honolulu until the station shut down. She went on from there, kept on making her own music, singing and soloing with various choirs while working full-time day jobs. I did not inherit a whole lot of Mom's musical talent but she did manage to give me a love of music and of pure sound. Welcome back to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 on your FM dial. You just heard the voice of First Voice Apprentice Sharon Peterson sharing a bit about her mother's love for music and sound. I'm Kenny C., and while Sharon couldn't be with us tonight, I am delighted to have my very own mother in studio with me tonight, Miss Nancy Joe in the house. Hello. So I have to say, I really enjoyed the music Sharon put behind that piece. And, you know, her story really reminded me of you to a degree, Mom, and your love of music, your huge record collection, and the way you're always introducing me to new music even after all these years. And we still love playing those LPs. I know And it. dancing and singing along. Yes, so grateful for all the music you've shown me and for all of our time spent dancing around the living room to your old record player <laughs> and how you insist on playing it as loud as possible. That's <laughs> the best part. <laughs> uh, well, a big thank you to Sharon for sharing. And up next, we have graduate apprentice Laura Boricua Echegaray sharing an amazing story about how her mother forged a new path in a time when there weren't many options available for women. Let's have a listen. You can't want something that doesn't exist. 
When you go into an ice cream shop, the first thing you do is to look at the menu. You don't usually ask for a flavor you never heard of, like wakafoodle or jingambo. There are fruits or nuts you don't think of asking for because for you, they simply don't exist. Life choices are like that. What does an American black boy wants to be when he grows up? Perhaps he has seen movies with distant planets and alien creatures or watched the space station on TV, so he wishes to be an astronaut. Someone else did it, he reasons. So he begins to imagine himself walking a different road. Now, once he gets a taste of the systemic injustice, does he still dare to dream? What is choice, I ask? How does change happen? Sure, there are many cases of people who made it against all odds, but you will have to admit that they're a minuscule group compared with the mass. My mother used to tell me that when she was growing up, girls will rarely go to school past sixth grade. They will stay home and take care of their family. Her grandmother got married at age 14. If somebody said to my great-grandmother that she could go to college and be a chemist like Gloria Chegaray, she would probably say, ¿Y eso? ¿Con qué se come? Or what do you eat that with? So what did it for my mother? I heard my grandfather believed women needed to be educated only so they could take care of themselves should their husband die. He only made it to sixth grade but understood the liberating effects of education. He had four daughters before his two sons and he insisted that they all went to college. It didn't matter there wasn't even a high school in miles around. It didn't matter it was 1947. Expectations changed, so everything else did. My mother was the first one to travel for hours and stay with distant relatives so she could finish high school and college and graduate school. Yes, they all had to make great sacrifices, but not only their lives got better. The little town of Quebrada up in the mountains of Camuy, Puerto Rico, has its own high school today. Named after Francisco Chegaray, my grandfather. Education is power. Sadly, for too many, education is still out of the menu. So how do we develop this menu of possibilities for ourselves, for those around, for that little black boy that wants to be an astronaut? If the world doesn't have to be the way it is, what do I imagine I can create? Like the unknown foreign fruit, there must be a place where these images have flesh and taste. The more clear and defined my picture is, the easier it will be to search and find it. Mentoring is definitely a great idea, but in order to reach further, I will strive to be healthy, happy, and peaceful because, more than ever before, the world is watching. Thanks to technology and media, we're all becoming public figures, and I will always remember what Eugenio Maria de Hostos, the great educator of Latin America, once said. The best way to say, 
is to do. You never know who is being inspired just by you being you, or the ideas you believe in, or the information you share. Finally, let's join forces to learn as much as we can and seek fairness for all. You might just place a new flavor on the menu. Welcome back to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. That was the voice of Laura Boricua Echegaray. And wow, what an incredible story and how inspiring too. I love how she says the best way to say is to do. And a woman going to college, not just college, but graduate school in the 40s seems almost unheard of. Wouldn't you agree, Mama? Oh, it's not just unusual. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's incredible, and I'm so happy to be able to share Lauda's story tonight. Um, you know, something Lauda had said really grabbed me. She said, education is power, but sadly, many do not have access to it. This is all too true, especially with the state of public education today. But let's not forget that KPFA is a source of education for many, and free at that. This is why it is so important that we do all we can to keep this station alive. There are so many valuable programs and voices offering access to information, real journalism. It's hard to find anywhere else. So please, donate what you can to help keep us on the waves. Maybe it's only $5, or maybe it's $25, or maybe you can afford to give a little more and get a pair of socks, or maybe a 70th anniversary mug for mom for $100. The number to call is 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Or you can make a safe and secure donation online at kpfa.org. Any and all support is appreciated in this time when many students are finding themselves without a school to go to or an affordable institution to accept them. KPFA continues to educate the community free of cost. We are thankful for each and every gift, no matter how large or how small. We'll be returning to our story soon, but first, a short music break. Mama, I think this is one of your favorites. Ooh, I can't wait. Change the script 
Welcome back to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. You just heard You Shouldn't Have Took More Than You Gave by Dave Mason. I'm your host tonight, Kenny C., and tonight it's Bring Your Mama to Work Day because I have my mama right here in studio with me co-hosting. Mom, I know that song is one of your favorites, and now it's one of mine, too. So where did you first come across Dave Mason, anyway? Well, I think it was back in the 70s, around high school time, probably shortly after. And that was the time in my life when I collected albums every weekend. I would go to the record store and see what was there. And that was how it started. And I still collect albums to this day. But that song is one of our favorites. We still play it all the time. Mm, Such a good album. Thank you for showing it to me. You're welcome. Right on. Well, as we said before, tonight is a particularly special show as we, the women of First Voice, are sharing stories of our mothers, our grandmothers, the women who have tread often treacherous waters before us to make our lives possible. This is all too true in our next story, a truly moving interview from First Voice apprentice Hannah Wilson, recently digitized, mind you, from a cassette dating back to, wait for it, wait for it, 1976. So here's Hannah with her grandmother, Katie. So what I want to know about grandma is a little bit more like what your life was like when you were growing up in Kiev. I'm Hannah Wilson, and that's my paternal grandma, Katie from an interview I did with her 43 years ago in 1976. I was 25 at the time, and she was in her early 70s. Listening to that conversation so many years later makes me ponder what stories get told and passed on in families, especially when there is trauma and loss, and what remains unspoken, kept hidden in silence. My grandma Katie was born around 1904, to an Orthodox Jewish family in Kiev, Ukraine. She was a teenager in the midst of the Russian Revolution. Grandma was a tiny woman, less than five feet tall. I think of her as a survivor, as someone who had incredible courage and will when she walked away from home at 16 years old in the aftermath of brutal violence against her family. She left behind everyone and everything she knew. But she could also be hilarious making humor out of life's travails. I love to laugh with her. That exchange you heard where she says, forget it, comes toward the end of an hour interview. I'm trying to circle back to stories of Kiev, but Grandma is able to say, no, enough is enough. That's one way she survived hard memories, not speaking of them. Some things are just too much to bear. But actually, earlier in the same interview, She had already told me painful details of her past that I was learning for the first time. Maybe all those years, she had just been waiting for someone to ask. Now at 25, I finally wanted to know. Here's a bit of her story. Then when the revolution broke, God, and Lenin came in. When when they were going through the city, killing people, did you see any of that? Did you see any of the killing? They came into our place. They almost killed my father. Really? What mm-hmm. happened? They beat him up. They <gasps> want money, and they, they gave him all they had. But they still wouldn't believe that he didn't have more than the, 
they killed my grandfather and <gasps> grandmother. I didn't know but that. I didn't, re I didn't say them, but they beat him up so much that he, he died and and she died on Sunday and he died on Tuesday. Wow. Here's how she met my grandfather, Isaac, the person she would leave for America with after the beatings and deaths of her grandparents. Well, how did you meet Grandpa? He just came into the house, you know, he was he was in the, in the army, uh -huh. in the Red Army. It was a gang coming into the city and he was there too. And, you know, when they come into the city, they would, they, uh, whatever was in charge of the gang, you know, they divided, they put him in private houses and he stayed. He didn't <laughs> want to go anywhere else. How did you get out of the country? Didn't you have to sneak we, out or something? We did. What did you do? You paid somebody, you know, and we didn't have anything to eat for a couple of days wow. or to drink and it was hot. So we went from Russia to Poland, but we had a war, a war, a walk and not sleep and not eat. If they would catch you, they killed each and one of them, but somehow we went so quiet, there was no kids or anybody. Wow. When you left, did you tell your parents you were not leaving? Nothing. You just had to leave, huh? They yeah. wouldn't let me go. They wouldn't have let me go. So that's what it was. <gasps> That's some story. Boy, that's something you went through. Oh, I could never forget that when we went through. When we were on the other side, nobody could touch us already. It's a different country. But by the time we made the go on the other side, that you never knew that you were going to survive. And I think I got caught under the barbed wire. Of course, it was high and I'm too short <laughs> to step over that. So I just hung on top of that. Well... That's okay. When Grandma says, well, that's okay, that's her in a nutshell. She accepts hard fate, perseveres, and sometimes even laughs at misfortune. What she doesn't mention here is that in Poland she became pregnant with my father, and in order to have the proper papers to emigrate to the United States, they journeyed back into the Ukraine for Grandma to give birth. And then, for a second time, she crossed the barbed wire into Poland. Must have been hard for you to leave your parents. Did you feel bad about that? That you had to do that, or when you had to when you had to leave them when you were sixteen and you just well, left and you I couldn't just, say goodbye yeah, or anything? I didn't say a thing. Nobody knew that I was leaving. Did you feel bad? Did what you do you think? If how could you feel good? Yeah. You have to feel something to leave everybody behind that you were born and grew up. No, with no uh, trouble, with no heartache. When I was a child, my grandparents had a kosher dairy restaurant in Atlantic City, New Jersey. They had struggled in poverty for years, but finally managed to save enough to open the restaurant. It was a mom-and-pop operation. Grandma was the cook, and Grandpa was the waiter. They lived in an apartment above the restaurant. In summers, when I stayed with them, I would come downstairs for breakfast to find my tiny grandmother huddled over the huge black cast-iron stove cooking cheese blintzes, potato latkes, and scrambled eggs. Whatever I made, it was it was just delicious. That's all I could say myself because you couldn't get it in a restaurant. You couldn't even get it in your private home. 
what I made for the people. But trouble was often around the corner. First, when the oil man overfilled their tank, they had a fire. Grandma was hauled out by the fireman from the second-story window and sent to the hospital with smoke inhalation. Then there was the flood. Tell me about that time when you had the flood. That was the uh, was a, hur- a hurricane. So we we didn't have e- equipment to cook anything upstairs. Downstairs, upstairs. So I had to go down in the barrel, you know, and then we didn't What, have a pickle n- barrel or something you no, got in no, a pickle? No, no, uh, no. This was detergent that we had to buy, barrels, kosher detergent. Uh-huh. So there was a barrel, so I went in, otherwise I couldn't have... I couldn't <laughs> you got in the barrel and went, and I, went and in and the I water? And I used to paddle with it. <laughs> but then I had a sledgehammer with a chisel, and I stuck, you know, I punched it through, and the water subsided, you know. Ah. Grandpa was way too big to fit into the laundry tub. But, as was Grandma's way, she did what needed to be done, paddling around the restaurant and hacking a solution with her hatchet. Here's to my grandmother, Katie Wilson, who survived so much loss with her indomitable spirit, her crazy humor, her zest, and her endurance. With love and deepest respects, thanks to Grandma Katie, now an ancestor, this has been... Hannah Wilson. Thanks for joining us here on Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley. I'm your host tonight, Kenny C., along with my mama, Nancy Joe, And that, of course, was the voice of Hannah Wilson and her late grandmother, Katie. All I can say is, wow, just wow. Yes, that was very moving. It was a great story of courage and strength. And it reminds me a little of the struggles of my own grandparents. Mm, Absolutely. I mean, to think what this woman lived through and how she dealt with it. And then also that Hannah got the audio, too. The whole thing was just beautiful. I'm I'm awestruck. And I'm so proud of you, Hannah. I know you're out there listening what incredible courage it takes to share a story like this. And, you know, it's very poignant what Hannah says about her grandmother's humor and her ability to deal with hard fate, as she says, in this way. How are you feeling about this, Mama, this humor part and about how it gets us through life? Well, we're, we're very humorous and sarcastic as well, and it does go a long way. It does seem to help sometimes. Yeah. I love also what she says about what gets said and and what doesn't. And altogether, that was just a beautiful story. Thank you again, Hannah, for sharing. So let's not forget that the First Voice Apprenticeship Program would not be possible without KPFA, 70 years strong this year. And we would not be afforded this incredible opportunity to share our stories in this way. So please, if you have the wherewithal, we ask that you donate what you can tonight to keep KPFA going strong, that this station may continue to be an outlet and a platform for the community voices you are hearing tonight. The number to call is 1-800-439-5732. That's 1-800-HEY-KPFA. Or if you're in the 510 area code, that's 848-5732. You can also make a secure donation online at kpfa.org. Give what you can to the station that showcases the voices of women and folks of color and all who are underrepresented in the mainstream media.
It would be a shame to lose such a valuable community resource. Again, we are honoring mothers tonight, and we have a few more stories to share with you. But first, I want to play a quick music break. I'm reminded of what Hannah had said in the beginning of her story. She said, maybe she was just waiting for someone to ask. Here's India Irie with Talk to Her. Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. I'm Kenny C. I'm your host tonight, along with my mama here, Nancy Joe. And you just heard one of our very favorites. Mama? Oh, she is my favorite. India Irie, mm-hmm. one of my favorite singer and songwriters. And we had a chance to see her not too long ago, too. Where was that again? You know, that was just a few months back, and I we went to San Francisco to Glide Memorial for a, I think it was a charity venue. That's right. I think it was their holiday their holiday benefit, right? Yes, and she put on a wonderful performance. We enjoyed it so much. And I had never seen her live before either. That was incredible. That was my first time, too. I remember it was the dead of winter and a terrible rainstorm. <laughs> we got stuck in a rainstorm on the corner. And it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were some tap dancers there, too. Oh, that was fabulous. Oh, God, they put on a great show. They really know how to do it. Another great memory. Mm. Well, tonight we are honoring mamas everywhere, but especially the mamas of First Voice, including KPFA herself. We've already heard some fantastic pieces about music, about education, about strength and willpower, and about how we get through life. But we're not done yet. Up next, we have a collaboration between Ari Guajardo Johnson, creator of the Birth Bruja podcast, and Kat Petru, first voice grad and co-founder of We Rise Production. 
This is the story of their mothers and grandmothers. Let's have a listen. Mothering Land and Liberation. Three stories for my mothers. A woman gets off a train in northern Czechoslovakia. She is young, maybe 16 years old. She is with her younger sister and her mother. Her father and brother are not there. The Nazi guard towering before her points for her mother to walk away to a different line, to a different camp, to a different fate. This woman, girl, 16-year-old, stands before the Nazi guard and tells him, no. I don't know what was said or in what language. Nana spoke many. But my grandmother stood before a Nazi guard and refused to let her mother be taken from her. I don't know if she knows that her mother was being sent to a death camp. But I know that in that moment, Nana won. She and her mother and her sister stayed together. They survived. The freedom of water, liberation and self-love. The air is humid and alive with the smells of moist earth. I'm lying on my back, floating in the water of my grandma's screened-in pool. My eyes are closed as I enjoy the feel of warm rain falling on my face. Greeting the afternoon rain showers in such a way has been a daily practice since I got here. While I swim, my grandma naps. The house joins me in silence as we listen to the rain. It is on this trip that I learned that despite living in a house with a screened-in pool for over a decade, my grandmother has only been in it twice. I asked why, and her response was, well, I've never had the figure for a swimsuit. She tells a story about childhood trips to the lake where she was made fun of and thus finds safety by staying clothed. She tells a story of being in college, wanting to face her anxiety by taking a swim class, but instead gets pushed into the deep end by the male teacher and is declared weak when she becomes overwhelmed with embarrassment and almost drowns. She explains that childbirth does no favors to a woman's body and thus she went into the water only for her children's safety. Each wave of storytelling, my heart breaks, and pieces inside me vibrate with recognition. Hello? Hi, Mom. Hi, sweetie. And with this, I burst into tears. It's an effect my mom has always had on me. When something is wrong, she knows, and hearing her voice gives me permission to fall apart. I am safe there with her. My mom's favorite flower is the iris, periwinkle blue with bold yellow stripe. Social butterfly, queen of the party, you wouldn't know my mom speaks the language of plants, or that she was a park ranger in Yosemite, or that she was a landscape architect before she had me. And then my sister, and then my brother. When she started painting plants, she never stopped. When I go on hikes with my friends, it's because of my mom that I know what's around us. Who's around us? Those are forget-me-nots. Oh my gosh, do you smell that? It's Daphne. That's bay laurel. That's coast live oak. That's California sagebrush. 
With my mom's voice and with the plants, I am safe. I know these stories. I've lived these stories. So many of us have. Here is a powerful and capable woman who has lived a lifetime of paralyzing restriction. A woman who, living by herself at this point, still feels so remarkably restricted by the shame of her body that she pays for a pool she doesn't feel she deserves to use. Because swimsuits are for people with thin young bodies. Experiences of freedom and play are for people who deserve it. We sit in silence after she finishes her story and my ears are roaring with what remains unsaid. I see the glistening, splintering threads of her shame and how they reach over the table and weave into my own. How dare I feed the poisonous thoughts that have imprisoned generations of women in my family? How dare I contribute to the practices and cultures that normalize the devaluing of female bodies, birthing bodies, big-boned, wide-hipped, voluptuously shaped bodies? Strength is starting to pool around my spine. I am in my parents' garden with my arms outstretched above my head. Lying in the grass beneath the jacaranda tree. I know this tree well. I made earrings out of its seed pods once. One pair for me, one for mom. This time it's hot and it's summer and there is a bee. The green grass is painted in a field of lilac-colored blossoms. House finches chirp brightly. Hummingbirds zoom and perch, zoom and perch. I can hear the tiny beats of their wings. I've become increasingly aware of a certain kind of inheritance, or disinheritance, perhaps. Wounds of not enough and too much and boundaries violently crossed over generations. Boundaries of land, of home, of body. But I am a daughter of survivors and I know the earth speaks, mothers us. I watch the bee. Humming, it discovers the soft opening of a fallen jacaranda flower and crawls inside. Then, the bee hums its way over to me, landing gently on my bare belly. I just watch, unafraid, delighted, in fact, exalted. The bee enters my belly button as it did the jacaranda flower. To be invited into the eros of the sun and the chirping and the humming and the bee and the green grass and the lilac colored blossoms. This is a joy to be passed down through generations. For you, Grandma, I will learn to love my body fiercely. During the moments when it's impossible, you better believe I will fake it until I make it. For you, I promise to not pass up on any moment of liberation. I promise to seek play and celebration in whatever form my body takes. I will honor and uplift, cherish and nourish, respect and admire the powerful life-bearing gift that is the female form. I will dance, I will say no, I will reveal skin, I will ask for help. I will trust myself, I will seek 
pleasure. For you, Grandma, I promise to always seek the freedom of water. Welcome back to our special Mother's Day edition of Full Circle right here on KPFA 94.1 FM. I'm Kenny C, and I'm joined in studio with my mama tonight, Miss Nancy Joe. And you just heard the voices of Kat Petru and Eric Guajardo Johnson in honor of their mothers and grandmothers. This was only a small portion of a larger feature. To hear the rest, check out WeRiseProduction.com. Look for the blue butterfly. So, wow, what a beautiful collaboration and weaving together of stories. I really want to take some time to talk about each of them just because they were all so beautiful, but they all really resonated with me. So just to start to go back with Kat's story about her grandmother, I I keep thinking about what kind of superhuman courage it must have taken to stand up to a Nazi guard as her family was being divided in that concentration camp. And honestly, I wonder if if I would have it in me to do the same if faced with a similar situation. Unbelievable. I don't know if I'd have that strength either. I mean, I would hope that I would. I'd like to think that we're strong enough. And I'd like to think that, you know, I would cling to you as as much as I possibly can. But sometimes fear, you never know. Um, but yeah, incredible story, Kat. Thank you so much for sharing. Another thing I really wanted to talk about was Aries' story about her grandmother feeling so ashamed. I had forgotten about it until just now. But grandma just had a conversation with me the other day about being afraid of the water and never learning how to swim. And... You know this woman has a swimming pool in her backyard. And I asked her, well, why didn't you ever learn how to swim? And she said the same thing. She said in her day, women don't show their bodies. You know, she was always wearing high socks and shoes and full clothes and gloves and the whole thing. And I was I was shocked, to be honest. I'm shocked to hear that, too. I'm very surprised because I've seen her in a swimsuit and I've seen her around the pool. But now that you mention it, I don't know that I ever saw her swimming in the pool. Yeah, I was I was really shocked. And I think it's I think it's a lot more prevalent. It's something that, you know, I wasn't it's not even in my mind frame, but it wasn't that long ago that we had to be closed and and covered up. And like you were saying, didn't you just say the other day you would never go to school in pants? Yes. When we were younger, that's true. We we all wore dresses. All little girls wore dresses. That was a, a generational thing, and it wasn't until I was in middle school, I think, that we finally were allowed to wear pants, and it was a cold winter that brought that on. What would happen if you wore pants to school when you're not supposed to? Well, I don't know that my mother would have let me go to school if that was a rule. Really? Yes. So all little girls wore dresses. It was very—I actually enjoyed it. It was fun going shopping for dresses when just before school started, so sure. it was a fun thing to do. The other, the other thing I wanted to address that just really touched me also was Kat's description of her parents' garden. And I just want listeners to know my mom built a garden <laughs> from the ground up. What was that, three years ago? Uh, yes, it, it was a few years back, and it's a, it's a continuing work in progress. But when you started, it was a dirt lot with weeds. Pretty much. That's all it was. And it's not a huge space, but it's it's turned into a lovely one with lots of flowers and blooming plants. And 
it's a, a very peaceful place to be. And how tall are your roses now? Oh, my goodness. I think some of my roses are almost six feet tall or more, maybe Incredible. seven. I'm not sure. And all the daisies everywhere. And flowers everywhere. It's just wonderful. Yeah, it's one of those things that just reminds me you can create something out of nothing. Um, but anyways, uh, yes, hats off to uh, to Kat and to Ari. The stories were weaved together so beautifully. And we thank you so much for sharing your stories So we are approaching the end of tonight's show, but first we have one more story for you. This one comes from our very own Mari Nakagawa. Let's take a listen. My mom has always told me stories about her childhood. She grew up in an exotic land, New Jersey. Exotic for me. I've lived most of my life in California. So the weather extremes, the humidity, snow days... Those parts of her stories always tickled my imagination. So did trying to imagine my mom as a little girl, or even harder, as a little girl who was often scared to be in her own home. Abuse and trauma are also features of her stories. My mom is the youngest of five sisters. She told me once that when she was young and she would cry, her oldest sister, Pierrette, would catch the tears in a glass jelly jar. In the morning, Pierrette would bring my mom the jar. The tears had transformed into pearls and glass beads. I've always asked my mom to write down her stories. A couple weeks ago, she sent me this one. She's given me permission to edit it for this broadcast. The Crayon Incident by Amy Montroy. December 1967 in northern New Jersey was glacial with record-breaking snowfall. Children walked to school no matter how far or how much snow had fallen. At first light, I walked alone. Whether I was early or late for class, it didn't matter to me. I'd left the warm, toast-scented house concurrent with my mother's departure for work. The snow made for a deep silence, and my thoughts were interrupted only by the crunching sound of tires passing over new snow. Now and then, a lucky child, whose father drove to work, would pass me trudging, Each time, I felt the longing for that warm ride with that father, but they never stopped to offer. Twenty years after the end of World War II, the boomers were still being born and moving to the suburbs of New York City. The influx of children in Montvale caused insufficient room in the brand new K-5 school building, just blocks from my home. This year, the third-grade children were being housed in the oldest building in Montvale. It featured a plaque above the double-weighted doors, built... 1919. The rooms, halls, even the teachers seem to have been there since 1919, molding in their clothes and in their brains. Eight hours a day in that building felt like 20, no less than 35 suffering children per room. Surely I thought I could close my eyes and vanish. So often invisible, I convinced myself I was invincible. And sure of this as I was, I would do rebellious and mischievous acts in broad daylight to test my theory. On this day, I decided to make something beautiful in that old building. Looking out the window, I saw the heavily falling snow that had accompanied me to school was now being pummeled by rain. It would be a lovely brown slush for my two-mile walk home. My clothes were still damp from my walk to school. Hand-me-down trousers crusted with snow at the cuffs. I got up from my seat to warm myself by the radiator. The shrewd Mrs. Bumgard looked up quickly from the book she read aloud. 
but when I positioned my sogginess by the hissing beast, she looked back at her book and droned on. Mrs. Baumgard's voice was numbing. I tried to pay attention as I warmed my backside by the colossal, 20-foot-long, high-hung silver radiator. It occurred to me that the radiator was more like a hot, wheezing, and snoring dragon than a simple functioning radiator, spitting, chugging, and churning in the back of the classroom. Soon I realized I had no idea what Mrs. Baumgard was saying. Something about sentence structure? About a turtle? The moon? How could I know? I was invisible and impervious to what was happening around me. Drab everything, except the silver radiator. Soon it was time for recess, but since it was raining now, we were told to color indoors. Back in my seat, I scanned the room for life. Mrs. Baumgard looked like she was once again napping with her eyes open. So it was coloring time. Thirty-three children sat dutifully in their seats, heads down, scratching away on the requisite page of Jack and Jane, surely staying in the lines. Looking at them, I was amazed that all seemed intent on quietly coloring in the book. Scanning the classroom, I found a conspiratorial face meet my gaze. Holding up a red crayon, I walked to the back of the room to warm myself near the dragon. I returned to my seat. Russell caught my attention, holding up a blue crayon, and went to warm himself by the radiator. We weren't friends, but on that day he seemed like an ally. For the rest of the 30-minute recess, we took turns walking to the back of the room, each time holding up a new color. When math time came, the crayons and coloring books were put away. Russell and I waited patiently for the transformation. The clock ticked. Children coughed and sniffed, the radiator hissed, and Baumgard muttered. Soon, the dragon came to life. Vibrant, jubilant, belching the gas of ten candle factories, color dripped down his sides like a festive rainbow, flowing to pool on the floor. It was a creative first in Mrs. Baumgard's classroom. The other children, suddenly shocked awake, became hilarious and ran over to gape at the beast. It took Mrs. Bumgard a while to figure out who had made the masterpiece. The janitor hid his mirth when he saw it. At the end of the day, Russell and I were cleaning, laughing and proud when left alone with scrub brushes and our beast, solemnly repentant when checked in on by the janitor. It was gray dusk by the time we finished cleaning and headed our separate ways for the walk home. All right, welcome back to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. I'm your host, Kenny C., along with my mama, Nancy Joe, and the voice you just heard was that of Mari Nakagawa. Thank you, Mari, for that poetic account. What beautiful writing and what an elegant way to honor your mom. So before we wrap up, we have one last clip to share with you. And it's very near and dear to our hearts because it's actually my grandmother. Born the child of poor Portuguese immigrants, she lived her whole life in the Bay Area in a time before the bridge, before the freeway, before the mass commercialization of the area. Recently, I had the pleasure of speaking with her about the value of resource over dollar. Here she is. What was your experience growing up on the land in San Pablo? The land was wide open. It was country, very few homes. 
We didn't have streets, we had roads with gravel. Very few people had cars. Our playtime was out in the fields. Beautiful land with lots of wild flowers. Uh, my mother was a fantastic cook. Everything we ate came off the land. Everything was fresh. What did you grow? Uh, we grew kale, mustard greens, cabbage, beets, potatoes, onions, garlic, and everything else you can think of. We had uh, orchards of apples, pears, figs, lemons. Everything we ate came off the land. If you were ever hungry, I would say, Mom, I'm hungry. Go out in the field and get something to eat. That's what she would say. That's exactly it. So you never complained about food. We had animals. We had a cow. We had chicken. We had ducks. We had rabbits. We had a pig, a lamb, and a goat. And I used to make pets out of these animals. And my mother was saying, Maria, no, no, no pets. That's our food. We had everything, really. No grandeur in clothes, but food, oh my gosh, we had tons of food. So I know that you talk a lot about you never really had to buy anything, that she would make everything, oh, that you would grow everything. Did you ever go to the store for anything? No. A grocery store? No. Nothing? No. No, there was a time when I asked my dad that I needed something, and I think it was for school. And I said, Papa, I need, I forgot what it was. And he says, Maria, do you have money? I said, no, Papa. He said, you can't have it. And that was it. I mean, what he said, that was the final. My father wasn't mean. He was just cautious. And there wasn't any money. Nothing was wasted. Nothing was wasted. Unbelievable. And yet, now when I look back, I think how lucky I was that I was raised that way. I was just so lucky. So how do you feel about the way that we live now and all of the waste that we're producing? Oh, I think that's it. It's a lot of waste. And I, I think if people do have any kind of piece of land, use it. Put something vegetable or a potato or whatever. Do something with it. Enjoy it and learn how it is to plant, grow, and eat. It's a big difference. How important do you think it is for the young people to have a knowledge of the land? Oh, it's very important. Absolutely. Don't destroy it, because land is here forever. So take care of it. In fact, all these homes are growing up and using so much land. It upsets me. And yet, people have to live somewhere. And the population is growing, so they have to build. And it's, you know, not only just small apartments, you're talking about high rises. I don't think that's good for the environment. I really don't. To me, that's pollution. That's the way I look at it. I'm thankful that I'm at this age because at least I can remember when I was young and what it was like for open space and um, taking care of the land and using it well to survive. What advice do you have for the young people today who are trying to live healthy, sustainable lives? Uh, be positive, uh, take care of your health, and, uh, and help where you can, and preserve the land that you grow on. And uh, 
just have a happy outlook. You know, don't be negative, which I am sometimes. I can't help it when this back drives me crazy. But, you know, just look on the bright side and be lucky that you made it this far. If you have tomorrow, fine. If you don't, that's not my choice. So, yeah, that's about it. As long as the wind blows, as long as the wind blows, Welcome back to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM. I'm Kenny C, and I'm here with my mama, Nancy Joe, and that was the voice of my 92-year-old grandmother, Maria Teixeira. Mama, what do you have to say? Great advice from a practical, strong lady. She's incredible, isn't she? She is, and I remember her growing garlic. I don't know if you remember, but she would grow the garlic, and then she would braid it. Mm. It was wonderful. Yeah, she's an incredible human being. A lot to learn from that woman, and so much history there about San Pablo when she talks about walking through the fields to Richmond High School. I mean... And she always told me to plant something that gives back to you. Mm. So plant something that, that would provide fruit and food for, for the future. It's always something good to remember. Absolutely. And also what she talks about preserving the land, you know. She talks about all the high rises going up and it's it's so relevant right now. It's so important. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for allowing us to share our stories tonight in timely fashion, might I add, as Mother's Day is fast approaching. If you need a gift, get your mom a membership to KPFA for only $25 a month. Give us a call, 1-800-439-5732. May you all have a blessed Mama's Day. And again, thank you to all the mamas out there. Thank you to everyone who shared tonight. And thank you to our technical director free will and frank sterling to our executive producer miss m to our board op audio moshirian and to our tech assist shanice i hope you all have a lovely mama's day la onda bajita is next stay tuned mm-hmm.